Hello, and welcome to My Story Weaves Our Story. This is a virtual diversity panel that was created to represent and reflect the unique experiences, perspectives, and viewpoints of the people and the communities who live here. This series will serve as a place for people from different populations within our community to make their voices heard and to give others the opportunity to learn from their perspectives. Panelists, thank you all so much for being here. This is actually our, let's see, one, two, third episode. Um, and this evening, we will be focusing on the African-American community. These guys carved out time in their evening to join us. And we are super glad they are here. Um, to start things off, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Ryan, and I work for the Northwestern Prevention Collaborative, or NPC. And I am the community liaison, which basically means I get to wear a lot of different hats. Um, hosting a podcast, for example, uh, planning events, working within our schools, anything that gets our youth and adults uh, to a happier, healthier place, which makes our community a happier, healthier place. So joining me and hosting this virtual diversity panel, I will let her introduce herself. Miss Tina. Um, yes, this is Tina, founder of I'm Just Me Movement. It's a nonprofit organization that uh, has a mission to strengthen youth, families, and communities through mentorship, education, training, and positive development, and also community collaborations. Uh, I am the executive director, and my role is helping break down barriers that uh, prevent people from reaching the best versions of who they are. Uh, and without further ado, um, I'd love to hear from our panelists. Now, I do have to cut in really quick, Tina, because I know our panelists will try and escape without an interesting fact. And we can't allow <laughs> that. So, panelists, if you wouldn't mind to introduce yourself just, just with your name and then one interesting fact about you. And don't worry, Tina will also have to do this too. So, we are going to start. All right, Rodney, I'm looking at you. You just look ready to go. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm Rodney Colbreth. Uh, one interesting fact: um, I, I I like making, I love making music. Very cool, Rodney. I did not know that, but now when we need a musician in the future, I know who to call. <laughs> Moving right along, D'Angelo, if you want mind to introduce yourself. Absolutely, my name is D'Angelo Wynn, and I guess an interesting an interesting fact would be I had a pet raccoon. Raised her from about a week old till she was two and a half years old. And now she's off living her raccoon life uh, with a, she's the pet for a wildlife rehabilitative um, group here in the in Nova. So I raised her from a week and a half till she was two years old. D'Angelo, that is so cool. What an interesting, that is an interesting fact. I mean, that's really interesting. So Her name was Rona. We found her doing <laughs> coronavirus. So we, Rona was her name. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Well, hey, D'Angelo, thank you uh, for being here and sharing your awesome story about Rona, the raccoon. <laughs> Moving right along, Bimine, looking looking at you, if you wouldn't mind to introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Bimine Piaro. I go by she, her pronouns. Um, and I am introducing myself. I'm calling in um, from uh, Winchester, Virginia, which according to the native land um, map is uh, the ancestral homes of the Masawamek and Monahoak peoples. 
So I always like to honor that. Um, and I am a recent, uh, a new business owner of the Wholeness Center, which is a life coaching um, uh, business. Um, I also um, work virtually in DC. I'm probably the newest member of the Winchester community here on the call. <laughs> and an interesting thing about me is um, since 2017, I have been to two 10-day silent retreat meditations where I got to be silent for 10 whole days, and it was amazing. <laughs> wow. Okay, first of all, I need to make a new rule about interesting facts that the panelists can't have too interesting of facts because then it makes the host look not interesting. Uh, moving right along, uh, Bimene, thank you so much for being here. That's really, really interesting. Super cool. Glad to have you here. Uh, Roslyn, if you wouldn't mind to introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Roslyn Ella, known in this area more by Ella, honesty. And uh, let's see, an interesting fact about me is that I am a fabriholic. What does that mean? <laughs> that just means that um, I can do anything with a piece of fabric from one day you see it, it's a tablecloth. The next day you see it, it's a sarong around me out in the street. <laughs> so I love fabric and I love it because the way it's woven tightly and you can do many things with it. That's a little bit about me. Bonus points are awarded for using woven. Thank you very much. <laughs> and very cool. I will say that you all are uh, volunteering yourselves for many different projects in the future. So now, Miss Tina, of course, you don't get to escape without introducing yourself. I know you have a little bit, but we definitely want to hear an interesting fact. Uh, interesting fact is when I was in high school, all of the girly girl trades were taken and uh, I got to be with all the guys in a woodworking and also small engine repair. So I can fix lawnmowers, I can change a tire, I can use a sandblaster. And um, once I get enrolled into the class, all the girls wanted to switch their elective. <laughs> so anywho, I'm a girly girl underneath, but I've got an, a rough exterior and I can change a tire without help. Hope you guys are writing these down, okay, in case you need stuff again. Uh, well, I guess last but hopefully not least, I am Ryan. Uh, I'm joining Tina to host this tonight. And I guess one interesting fact about me, um, I have slept uh, inside of the United States Capitol in a stairwell and the rotunda and a couple other places. So interesting times. I feel like you have to provide some context there, particularly after the January 6th thing. <laughs> 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 so I was there after January 6th. <laughs> so I am a, a soldier in the Army National Guard, and my unit was called up to D.C., where we got to uh, try out all the different rooms to sleep at uh, in the Capitol. And overall, I would give it a two-star rating on Yelp. Those concrete floors aren't great. <laughs> but, well, hey, so you all have, have done a great job introducing yourself. Um, great hearing some of those interesting facts. And I guess what I'd like to do now is we're going to switch our order. We're going to start with you, Rosalind. And if you wouldn't mind to yeah, keep you on your toes a little, uh, to give basically just a brief biography. I, I know that it is a large ask for you all to cram your life story in like four minutes, right? 
Um, but just taking that time to give us a snapshot, share some of your experiences, and again, tell tell the story that that weaves our story. So, Rosalind, I would love to hear from you, your journey, how you got here. Please. All right. Well, it's very nice to be here. Um, I was born and raised in Frederick County um, and actually went to schools in Frederick County. Um, graduated from James Wood, yay colonels, <laughs> in 75. So I, I may be the oldest one on the panel. But in any event, um, I guess the most important thing that I would tell anybody about me that I realize um, I was shown it very early on is that um, I've always been an advocate, uh, even being the middle of five children. And um, I realize now that I said, uh, you know, that's not fair and that's not right a whole lot. <laughs> so um, needless to say, uh, I find myself now in a place in my life that I truly am calling a, um, a real spiritual journey. I have been walking in my um, in, in the knowing of my purpose for almost four years now. And um, the Holy Spirit told me that I'm to tell them who they are. And so <clears throat> I'm all about uh, encouraging, uplifting, uh, edifying, um, finding out what makes a person tick and being able to bring that out of them and position them to know that um, they are royalty because we're all in our humanity, in my belief, uh, born from the King of Kings. And so we don't have to pretend to be what Hollywood says we are with you know princesses and all of that we already are and so it's important for young people to know that first um, that they're more spirit which is eternal than we are in our humanity which you know uh, dies away um let's see what else can i tell you about me i am um really enamored with um, understanding where I came from, uh, my heritage, my background, uh, my lineage, um, because I don't believe that God makes any mistakes. And that the other thing that we're all woven in the same cloth is that we are all each other's beloved. And when we can find our way to each other, a lot of our ills will be um, taken care of in this country. Um, I just um, am a person that um, wants the best quality of life for everyone. And I work toward trying to always be aware that what I am giving out is what I want so that that's what comes back to me. I think that's pretty good for right now. I think that was great, Rosalind. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's very difficult to have a community without unity, right? So thank you for sharing that. And that was really positive, uplifting. So Bimine, if you want mind to share your story a little bit, again, what, what kind of brought you here, some of your unique experiences, thoughts, um, I'll turn it over to you. Sure. Um, 
So I am originally from um, Nigeria. I was born and raised in, um, in a village in Nigeria um, to the age of nine. And then I lived in Togo, which is another West African country, um, to the age of 11. And then I moved to Decatur, Georgia. <laughs> and um, lived in Georgia off and on until 2019 when I moved to Virginia. Um, and I moved to Winchester um, actually in November of 2020, so very recently. Um, and I moved here after um, kind of landing a remote job that I could do from anywhere. And my sister had already moved here just a, um, a few months earlier. So I said, oh, well, let me go let me go where she is. And so now she's my neighbor and that's very, very awesome. <laughs> um, see, so what can I share? So I, I guess my, the way I would, describe kind of what category I fit in um, currently. Obviously, uh, to those of you who can see me, I'm a Black woman. Um, um, I also consider myself a younger adult um, professional um, and probably highly educated um, and now a business owner. And, and I say all of that because I think that there are, you know, certain like needs that come with that um, when you live in places um, that I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, what else about me? I, I love mindfulness. I, I love to meditate um, in the process of becoming a certified yoga instructor. And as I say, I belong to various uh, meditation communities and um, love it when I can go on meditation retreats. Um, and much like Ella and Tina, I also very much believe that we're all exactly who we're supposed to be, where all is well with us, and we need to um, co-create a space where people can show up exactly as they are and be their whole selves. And that's also my mission in life, is to just help people truly reconnect with their worthiness and, and to thrive. Thank you. Very well said, Bemine, and thank you so much. It's it's definitely great to have you here and, and hear your unique perspective. And it's just crazy to think about that whole journey and, and hear you landed on our on our show. So that's really exciting. All right, D'Angelo, I'm looking at you. You look ready to go. So um, All if you right. mind. Absolutely. I was great hearing from Bemine and both Rosalind. It's such a small world, Bemine. I grew up in Carrollton, Georgia. Uh, so when you said Decatur, I was like, I know exactly where that is. Uh, exactly. Uh, I'm right out, was right outside of Douglasville and Villarica, which you probably have heard those names before. Uh, but without further ado, my name's D'Angelo Wynn. I grew up, as I just stated, in Carrollton, Georgia. I found the Winchester area by a total mistake that I often like to say was divine intervention. Uh, I did nine and a half years in the Navy and I was medically retired. Uh, I medically retired due to some uh, physical injuries, but also some mental injuries as well. I suffered from PTSD and bipolar disorder. Uh, so when I was medically retired, uh, that first year, I experienced some homelessness. I experienced some, some struggle. I experienced some, some depression. Uh, and the VA was trying to get me back into school. Uh, and they're like, there's a great community um, and a vet-focused school you'll love. Well, the virtual assistant with the VA didn't realize that su.edu was a purchased domain from Shenandoah and not Syracuse. So I ended up coming to Shenandoah University instead of Syracuse University for a tour and fell in love with the community. 
Uh, I absolutely love the area. I fell in love with the school. I completed my undergraduate there in the business school. I went on to complete my MBA there. I was the SGA president, the president of the Student Veterans Association. I also served as a congressional intern for Jennifer Wexton, and I'm currently completing my PhD in organizational leadership uh, from the School of College of Arts and Sciences at Shenandoah University, where my study is tackling the breaking the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Uh, that ties back into my background as well, because I'm the oldest of a, of a large family. I mean, my mom had a ton of kids and with a broken family as well. Uh, she's currently serving time in prison. And so it was interesting for me as somebody who always had a passion for passions, someone who always was in a big brother role, someone who always had to put myself second I've always wanted to try and find out how am I so much different than my siblings? Why are they recidivist, if you will, to our family trauma or our generational trauma? Most people will call it generational curses. So how are they recidivist and what made me break it? So that's what I want to look at now. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of what I'm studying and looking at through my doctoral studies. Uh, again, I won't take up too much more time, but that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. Uh, I, again, I enjoy helping people. Uh, I have a passion for passions. I know I, I currently have worked federal service. Again, like I said, I work congressionally. I'm now working for um, Amazon and pursuing a potential opportunity with um, Google. Uh, and also will be teaching in the fall at Shenandoah University Business School. So uh, there's a, I'm always on the move, always busy, but I like it that way. Uh, but I'm sure we'll be able to go into a little bit more later in the discussion, but that's kind of me. And I did that in, boom, four minutes and one second. <laughs> D'Angelo, that, that's incredible, man. I mean, first of all, I mean, congratulations. Um, so, so thank you. Thank you for being here. And man, just congratulations on, on all the cool stuff that, that you've made, made happen. So. All right, Rodney, I'm looking at you, buddy. If you don't mind to finish us off here. Hey, Juan. Um, um, I'm Rodney Colbert. I was born in North Carolina, grew up in Northern Virginia area. And now we come to Winchester. Um, we uh, adopted our, our sibling, um, Tina's sibling group from her sister. So we're looking for a place to stay, place to go. And we found Winchester. You know, it was either cold pepper or somewhere. I was like, nah, let's stay on the Route 7 side. <laughs> of things. Um, so we ended up in Winchester. Um, and since being here in Winchester, um, definitely just the, the development of the kids, just like D'Angelo was saying, you know, I come from that, that trauma background. You know, my mother spent many years in prison. I mean, and things like that. Um, people don't realize that even me at like in my freshman year, people don't know that I was actually at home by myself with my siblings was serving time in prison. Um, you know, just having the help of some trusted adults, we actually stayed in that house by, by ourselves for that whole entire school year. Um, so just to understand like how did I come to be who I am, I think the thing that shaped me was being raised by my grandma and my mom, learning, learning from different aspects of life and trying to get those things back to a younger generation. Um, you know, especially in the black community, because it's such a struggle. Um, it's such, such a stigmas that are there. 
Um, and how do you know we break those things? And sometimes I wonder, like, you know, like Daniel was saying, like, how did I get out of that? How did I adjust? And my and so many people didn't or haven't adjusted to certain things in life. So just wanted to give back. Um, and that's really that's my story, and that's my passion and something that I carry with me, you know, like my grandma always say, you know, as the world turns, you know, be be a part of it, you know, because no matter what, the world's going to turn. And you just have to be in it and have to turn with it, you know. So everybody see a smile on my face because, hey, I got up today and I can do this. And I'm happy to be here. Well, and I'd like to to personally attest, I have the uh, privilege of working with Rodney and just, just a top-notch human being and a great guy to be around. So, Rodney, thank you for all the work that you do in, in our area and all the work that I get to see. And thank you for being here tonight. And... A big thank you to everyone for sharing a little bit more about your biographies and, and delving into your story a little bit there. Um, so I am going to turn things over now to, to Tina, and I think she has a question to pose to the panelists. Yes, yes, I have two questions. But before I jump into that, I want to thank each of you for joining us today, for being vulnerable and exposing Um and I think this is how we do get to a shift and change, people understanding our stories, our uniqueness, our struggles, but also our contributions. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, so I'm going to do a combo question. My uh, question is, what is the biggest misconception about our community? And how do we begin to improve this misconception? Um, I'll start with Bemine. If you would, uh, if you would share with us, you know what what are the misconceptions that are out there, and how do we reach um, some sort of improvement in um, clearing some of those things up? Well, I I I will not speak for Winchester or Shenandoah as I'm very, very new. And I know that there are those of you on here who will speak more knowledgeably about that. But I would say one very easy one misconception that is um, had about the Black um, community in particular. Um, and I'm saying that with recognition that everybody I'm seeing in front of, of me is at least some part Black, <laughs> is that somehow there is just a one Black community or there's just a one way that Black people present. And what I loved in listening to all the stories here and why I made, I made a point of sharing kind of my origin is that there are so many different communities within the Black community, right? Like I consider myself Black. I am also African, right? So I think that is um, something that I really love and you're already doing something to combat now is bringing people together to tell their unique stories so that we can see how we are all really individuals, period, and a community. So I'll stop there for now. Thank you. Well said, well said. Uh, D'Angelo, any misconceptions? And I want to keep it real here because we are going to have people that will hear this and maybe there are some things that they didn't, weren't on the radar, that they weren't aware of, that they do or say that may be hurtful, offensive offending and you know so any misconceptions that you uh, are aware of and how do we reach um clarity well that's a great question um and i think if we find the answer to that we will <laughs> we'll not only help a whole lot of folks 
but we'll be able to rake in a whole lot of money to help a whole lot more folks. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I think a misconception in our community, and I'm glad Bimine mentioned uh, we're not monolithic, because uh, you often hear that oftentimes, the black community. Well, what is that? Um, so it, there are multiple communities that makes up. But if I could just speak to a misconception that I see all the time, it particularly in, I saw it in myself, and it took me a while to figure it out, and I still see it in a lot of other of my friends uh, who happen to look like me, is that we, and Rodney kind of hit on it as well, we take on this heavy, heavy load. I don't want to call it burden, but this heavy load and this duty to take care of everybody around us. Because oftentimes when we've come from a family of trauma or a family uh, that was broken, we, had, we were subject to that. Uh, so we forget how to take care of ourselves. We never find ourselves. We never get to know ourselves. I like to put it this way. A lot of times people don't become who they want to be because they're too attached to who they've always been. And I'll say it again. A lot of times people don't become who they want to be is because they're attached to who they've always been. You hear it all the time. Well, my family's always that way. I've always done it this way. We've always done it that way. Well, if that's working for you, keep on doing it that way. But for me, it wasn't working for me. I had hit, as I told you earlier, my proverbial version of rock bottom. And I knew that there was nowhere for me to go. So I was willing to let go of everyone and everybody. I was willing to say, you know what? I have to take care of me. And it took me doing that. It took me knowing that I had to find myself, teach myself, learn myself for myself. And until I was able to do that, I really wasn't that valuable to my community. I'm much more valuable to my community now. I'm much more valuable to my family now because I was willing to not only let them go, but I was willing to let them go in order to find me. And so we have that misconception that we always try to bring everybody through that door. We're trying to take everybody with us. You're trying to carry everybody. You're trying to be rescue 911. The door is for you to go through. The door is for you. Take that time, go through that door, find yourself, teach yourself, learn yourself, know yourself, and then open up doors for others. So I really want to be able to talk or like to highlight that misconception uh, because our community, we, we're mamas, we're dads. You hear it all the time. That's Mama Tina. That's Daddy Rodney. That's that's D's like our dad at the school. And we, we're so always wrapping our arms around everybody else that we forget to give the person, our own self, that biggest hug. So, yeah. Yes, that was a lot to digest. And I totally, totally agree uh, with both um, of the statements, both from you and Femine. Rodney, would you like to share a misconception and how do we get towards clarity or clearing up some of those misconceptions? Um, I would say um, the biggest, I think mental health, since we are in the mental health month, <laughs> awareness, I think, especially in the black community, um, a lot of things that, that kind of goes on, we don't really recognize those things. We, we Like now, I try to see those things now, but just looking back, how those things weren't even recognized 
don't even kind of acknowledge. It's either get up or, you know, wipe your tears away, get up. You're, you're not hurt or, you you know, you can't have those types of feelings or or those type of things. Like I think sometimes those become the misconception um, for when it comes to mental health. Um, and just, I think like what D'Angelo said, far as like, you know, you, sometimes you walk through a door, it's like you're trying to represent so many people other than yourself. Um, so you never understood, understand that you're really just a, a representative of some kind, but don't know what you're representing, um, you know, and, and, you know, and especially in the, in the community. I know that you have a lot of different things that are going on in the schools, you know, but the first thing, I, you know, for me is I had to learn me, you know, and it's hard to figure out me when I don't know so much about history. And what history is displaying, because I think the misconceptions that we have in our community is we put images and put things out there that doesn't really um, speak to the whole history, the, the, the values, the, you know, the morals that we, you know, values, the morals that we have. You know, I heard a lot through grandma's generation when they were around, you know, but I, those things are like slowly kind of slipping out your hands, kind of slipping away. And it's kind of like you're, you're losing yourself, almost nearly becoming invisible. So those are kind of some of the misconceptions, I think, that even as the Black community, I was telling all the time, sometimes we need a Black community meeting, <laughs> you know, because we all come from so different, so many different places. You know, like Bemini said, we come from different places and we all in sometimes in different places. But sometimes, you know, to be a community, we have to find a way, how can we weave that together, come together, so that way we can actually become a more healthy community as a whole, you know, because my grandma always said, you know, you know, a black, one black person do this, not all black people, or one white person do this, not all white people. My grandma, first thing she would tell me, Rodney, never paint the per a, same, a person with the same brush, because every one of us is different. We're individuals. So I think, you know, some of those misconceptions, you know, is uh, you know, especially with the mental health and how people we are, we are portraying ourselves and how do we represent ourselves? Thank you very very much. Well said, Ella. Misconceptions and how do we get towards um, you know improving um, these misconceptions? Well, I would say that uh, for me, the biggest misconception about this community is the same misconception about this country. And it is that um, we're not one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So we can declare it all we want. But if we're not working toward that and we don't see each other's as each other's and equal, then um, the only thing that can really bring us through is <clears throat> to be truthful to ourselves, um, to our families, um, to our friends, um, you know, uh, s s proclaim your rarity. You know, you, you, you don't need to be compared. Uh, so I would say, you know, don't listen to who they tell you you are. Uh, because in the context of, um, as D'Angelo said, um, taking care, that we've forgotten how to take care. I'm not sure that we were ever taught how to take care. Except if you maybe were an older child 
and then you had to take care of the younger siblings. Um, so how do we get how do we get to where we need to be is to tell the damn truth? And in doing so, um, you really elevate yourself to the intellectual that you want people to think you are because what's coming out of your mouth and you know it's like cognitive dissonance, right? You're, you're saying one thing, you're doing something totally different and it never aligns. And young people can see that. And even in my generation, you know, it was don't do as I do, do as I say. Well, what does that mean? Because what we build on, what's necessary are relationships and relationships come from trust being built. And so if we take something as innocent as Santa Claus, oh, well, that's a lie. Oh, but it's such a big lie and it encompasses so much. And then when you realize that there's no Santa Claus, then it's like, well, what else have you been lying to me about? Because it was so perfect and so wrong and so away from our spiritual self. And so I think that um, what we can uh, begin, how we can begin to improve is to show in our educating of our children and ourselves how we are um, operating in this world, but not of it. It's really important for young people to know as soon as possible about their spiritual selves, because when the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy in the embodiment of your authority figures, and you have no knowledge that you can cry out for help, then that gets suppressed way down, just suppressed, suppressed, suppressed. And then you grow into of age, but then you're an adult walking around making decisions from a broken child spirit that never self-corrects that way. And then we wonder, well, what's wrong with the person? Well, what's wrong with the person is that, you know, the six degrees of separation to just deal. Um, you know, it's like seeing you if you're down in the water in the ocean and you're trying to get up and as you get closer and closer, you can see the light, but then you don't see this net, this net that every time you try to stroke up, it's like you can't get past the net. And the net has so many manifestations that it's no wonder many young people want to give up, you know. Can I also, and I know I don't want to take too much time, but both Rodney and Rosalind, I think, hit on things that were pretty important. And, and I highlighted another, I think, misconception in our community that has kind of been bred due to a lack of history and its competitiveness. And as I sit here and I think about it, because we have to, it, it, it's always, I, you, it's pushing that what I do isn't good enough. Being the first African-American this, being, it, we're always, I feel like we're always juxtaposing and competing with one another. And uh, where there is no enemy, we find enemies. We end up putting each other into these competitive buckets rather than these buckets to lift one another and assist one another. 
And, and again, going back to Rosalind's point, I mean, it takes history to know that. If, and I, I don't want to be confrontational. I don't want to be uh, co controversial. But it takes knowing the slave mentality, knowing the Jim Crow mentality, knowing the, the nuances and the, how, we, how they train slaves to think. There was competition even then there. And I don't, and I still, and I look at that, and I look at that in the micro, and then I look at it in the macro. And you see it still today. I see it now. I, I have individuals who, it's, if we, it is, they are so neck and neck. They are, they, they're missing out on their blessing because they're too caught up on trying to compete with me. This isn't a competition. Be the best you. So again, I'll stop there. Uh, but that was just out there. Uh, hearing you talk, Rosalind, and then putting that against Rodney's. I was like, I'm, I'm finding some commonality here and drawing some, some uh, a common theme, and I could just underscore competition. I mean, we can turn on the TV right now, and I guarantee you, they're putting somebody up against the next one. Uh <laughs> yeah, and with that being said, I think also, and then we'll move on. Um, this is such great conversation. I'm so you guys are great panelists. Thank you so much for your insight. I'll say also, I'll say that there's a misconception that we started as slaves and we did not. We came from kings and queens and riches and a rich history. These are all things we were, we were enslaved, but we were so much before that. And I think there's a misconception, you know, that, uh, you know, young people don't go far back and some of the history books don't re reflect, um, uh, like uh, Ella says, tell the damn truth. With that being said, <laughs> Ryan, we're going to move on to the next question. Thank you all for your um, insight. With that also being said, just one thing I wanted to point out because I heard it a, a couple different times and I couldn't agree more. And just wanting to point out the whole purpose of this panel, like you all spoke to, it's very unfair to say, here's Ryan. He represents all podcast hosts ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> of course not. That's that's craziness. Um, and so this whole panel, and as we move forward, it's so interesting and it's so great to sit here and hear the rich diversity within each community. Uh, you know, as Bimini pointed out earlier, we are all individuals, right? And there's really something wonderful to be said for that. Um, with that being said, and you all start to touch on this a little bit, I want to, I kind of want to move forward. How, how do you all think as businesses, individuals, and even as a community, how do we begin to build that atmosphere that feels a little more inclusive and welcoming of everyone? I know you all mentioned earlier about, Hey, tell, telling the truth, which I think is super important as well. But again, how do we extend that branch to say, Hey, we, we want you here to, to everyone. So we are going to start with, let's see, this is always interesting picking who will go first. So Bimine, you did such a great job going first last time that you just knew we were looking at you. So Bimine, I will let you go first to, to tell us a little bit more about ways that we can make our community businesses a little more inclusive. No, I love going first because once I'm done, I can really listen to everybody share and learn so much. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. I get to say the easy thing first. And everybody has to think a little bit harder. <laughs> um, well, so I will say 
as a, you know, earlier 30-ish person. Um, <laughs> um, something that I think it's common across all communities, especially if you didn't always grow up in a small town, even if you did, is, um, and I think it's also true for Black people, is like just the need for things to do, right? The needs for um, activities, the need for that feel good and fun and like something you <laughs> want to do. That's the one way of being inclusive. It's like, what are, what is the, what is the, um, what are the options for things that people can do to relax and enjoy themselves? Um, and, and, and there are things I'm always excited. That is, I would say one of the things that has surprised me to learn about Winchester is like, you know, within my first few months here, I discovered that there, um, Someone was uh, someone started Splendid Circle, which is like a group of women coming together, having conversations, learning things they didn't teach you in health class about women's bodies and healing, and it was so wonderful. Um, and um, Tina pointing me towards the Thursday salsa dance um, and classes at you know Bar Eighty One, and all those little things make a difference. But I think something that um, is maybe like I miss as um, as a black person um, living in a small town is that in all those places, oftentimes, except for the salsa, when I go, I'm the lone person <laughs> of color, period, and definitely the only black person. And I think that there's a psychological safety that comes in being in a place where you see other people that looks like you, that wear something similar to what you do that speak in a way that just kind of makes you, it just, it makes you feel like, oh, okay, I'm home, you know, before anything else. Um, and without that, there's just this extra work to make oneself comfortable in spaces. So, you know, all the Black folks out there, where are you? <laughs> where do you hang out? Because <laughs> I want to come hang out. So that would be, that would be just an amazing thing to um, kind of see more of. It's just intentional community space um, and activities meant to bring people of various groups together to commune. I love that, Bimene. Thank you so much for sharing. And a lot of times we talk about meeting people, you know, where they are and putting on events that that people want to see. And we run into this across like every medium. And I think a lot of times when we're talking about the youth, we're so guilty of this, right? We're like, hey, let's get these six adults in a room and they're all going to come up with these ideas that kids will think is fun without ever speaking to any youth or having the youth in for that conversation, right? So I love what you said about being intentional with events and activities so that they're designed in a way that does encourage everyone to, to come out, commune and be together. So Feminate, that's a, that's a great idea. And I wrote that one down just so you know. Uh, um, D'Angelo, moving right along. Well, I, I'm going to take this a little differently. Uh, I have a few ideas, but again, I'm so kind of stuck in my research of breaking the intergenerational trauma cycle that I really miss opportunities for us to be raw with one another. I miss opportunity and we grew up with those opportunities in churches and that's a great place. Uh, it really is. I happen to grow away from church a little bit uh, because again, hurt people hurt people and there are a lot of hurt people in churches. Uh, so, uh, I, we start, so I end up getting a little hurt, but 
I believe in a way, and I'm thinking about this question, I'm looking at it from the window and the lens of helping a community heal, helping a community talk about the tough things, then helping us get it. And by being involved that way, then I can start bringing in some of the more activities. But I really miss opportunities for us to just, and I say us, again, not monolithically, but for the uh, the community at large to be able to have a space that feels like a safe space. Come in and have a tough conversation. Come in and be able to, to, to talk about the things that you don't talk about because Big Mama said we don't talk about when uncle touched you. Or Big Mama said we don't talk about when your cousin did this. Or what are like, but we have to be able to run into those tough conversations rather than running away from them. So I really think you develop a healthy community when you have healthy communication. Because it, it, we can start having fun and we can, I love it. I'm a Zumba instructor. I'm a dance party instructor. I'm a cheerleading coach. I teach gymnastics. I'm all about having jam. You jump from airplanes. I jump, I, I skydive at Skydive Shenandoah on the weekends where I'm the manifest manager. I'm all about the thrill. I love having fun. But I noticed in, in just people across the board, not just our community, but communities at large, is that we run away from difficult conversations. And, and not and only do we run away from them, we're taught not to run to them. So we're, so I really believe that I think what we can do as a, as a community from business lens, from a psycho, uh, uh, talked about it earlier with the psychological safety. Well, there's psychological safety in us hiding our traumas. There's psychological safety in us not talking about what has hurt us. And, and it, and I said it at the top, and it's a definition of, I mean, insanity. If you doing something over and over and expecting a different result, we do that. We do that. So if we want to become something different, we got to do it a little different. We got to look at it from a different lens. So I miss, and I think what I would really like to see is an opportunity, how that looks, what it looks like. Still thinking about that. Don't really know. But that's why we have diversity of thought but an opportunity and a space for us to be able to come together, talk about these things, be there for people where it matters, when it matters, with what matters. And then I think we are, we have a launching pad, but we won't be able to go, I don't think, forward until we can address the things that we hold, that hold us back. Uh, and again, finding yourself, learning yourself, knowing yourself. And when you do that, you're much more valuable to yourself and then your community. D'Angelo, that was really great. Thank you so much. I think that's a, I mean, an exceptional top-notch point. And, you know, one of the things, again, that we're attempting in this panel, like you said, again, is to have that open and honest conversation. I'll tell you, we were all a little bit holding our breath in the first introductory panel when we're like, hey, we're going to bring all these different walks of life together in the same place. At the same time, are you sure? And what we were kind of holding our breath about is like, oh man, and there's this idea, hey, it's going to be volatile and it's going to be loud. Not at all. Not at all. We brought these people together. They had honest conversation and it was fantastic. So I agree with you, D'Angelo, having that open conversation and, and providing that place. So sounds like we just have to brainstorm on, on how to facilitate that. And Rosalind, yeah. your question. Wow, so much has come up. 
um, so many points, so many things uh, rolling around in my head, but I, I must say that um, everything starts with truth. Um, we're not who they told us we are. Um, I say, like D'Angelo, um, let's go back to old school. Because believe it or not, there, there was a, um, a false sense of, well, when we integrate, then you're going to be free. Mm. Or when we free you, you're going to be free. <laughs> and what does freedom look like? And um, what, what we had when we were um, polarized in slavery, Reconstruction, Jim Crow, if you will, was we had each other. Our collective backs were against the wall. And so then when the windows open up and it's time to fly away, then if you're not um, white like me, then how far are you gonna get? Um, quickly, I'm a part along with Tina and Rodney in an organization called Coming to the Table and it's all about linked descendants and um, realizing that um, <clears throat> Martin Luther King's dream of a former slaves, uh, descendants of slaves and enslavers come together for <clears throat> transformation, um, reconciliation, um, that that is going on. And that's where the hard um, topics are discussed. And um, the, believe it or not, um, a safe place, wow. Where's a safe place? Is it in your home? Maybe it's in the closet. Maybe it's in the bathtub. <laughs> Where's the safe place? So one of the things that we can do in the community is to create just that, a safe place. Whereas Bimini says, you can really be who you are because as we had in our last um, working toward healing committee we were all on the three of us I chose the the um, topic of passing passing for white but you're black you're not white but how could things be so bad that you would actually think that would be a, a good decision for you and so it goes that mixed races that's not a new thing. That bullying is not a new thing. It happened within our own families, right? Um, what was mulatto then is is now, you know, actually you could see a picture of promotion for Winchester with a black man and a white woman skipping down the midtown, you know, arm in arm with uncommon to the core as the tagline. And you could believe many things until you get down into the guts of things. Down into the gut part that's covered up with so many veils. And what are we passing? Everybody's passing for something, right? A lot of passing of the truth. Um, and so I think it's about being real and um, not trying to divide. Because you know what? When you have a restaurant, you just want somebody to fill a seat and eat and tell somebody else about how good it was. You don't care about what color the person yeah. was. So, um, yeah. There's so many things that um, if we can just see each other as each other's, 
that's where we're going to make our way. I wanted to just jump in for two seconds to say that she's referencing uh, the movie Passing, which is very, very touching. And um, if you guys haven't seen it, you should check it out. It brings a lot of perspective uh, for challenges of people that are African-American and even um, of mixed race. race. As well. mm -hmm. So if I can add so on, you yeah. know, um, I think that um, <clears throat> it's important to have the conversations about um, the different hues of African-Americans as part of um, the hard conversation um, because, um, you know, it, it, it is time in this area to move past the Civil War as what we talk about and move into, okay, but how were we treated since then? And how has it even changed or has it changed or how has it morphed? Because you see the, the one that comes to kill, still and destroy is very cunning about how we manifest and we need to be aware of it. And we need to teach our children to be aware of it. There's a stranger because you don't know their name and there's also a stranger because there's a spirit that looks wonderful and is enticing, but not meant for you. Rosalind, thank you for your addition. I really appreciate that. Talking about improving relations between all of the groups with, within our community. And my question for you personally, uh, as an individual, what is your ultimate outcome? What does that look like to you? What is the ideal situation that, that you get up and you're like, Hey, this, this is what I'd like to see within our community. Wow. See, and I really want to hear everybody's answer to that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, so speaking as an individual, so I just, first of all, I agree with everything that has been said, everything that D'Angelo said. Um, and I do know that, you know, there are folks doing stuff in the community to bring unity. Um, Ella invited me to her coming to the tables, not to, I hope she'll reference that. So I hope I haven't, okay, she'll go into details. Um, and I think that the idea there is to provide some connection and healing. And, and I think that's so powerful because it is a space to have those vulnerable conversations. Um, but as an individual, I think ultimately the goal is to be able to go anywhere and just be me and not have to carry on all these other identities that people put on me. I feel like that is probably like the biggest win that I have managed for myself um, since 2020 is to kind of let go of all this external like factors that I've internalized to be like my identity, but it's really what um, it's kind of labels and boxes that, that, um, that I've been learning since the moment I stepped foot in this country. Right. <laughs> um, and to just get to, you know, I am me and I can go wherever I want and do wherever I want, hang out with whoever I want. And, um, and you know what, I don't represent anyone and anyone who thinks I, I do and decide to make judgment about other people based on that only limits themselves. That is their issue. That's their life. 
I am not going to alter my life to teach anyone else anything. Um, and I know that that seems selfish, but I actually think that that's what we all want to get to where we are allowed to really just be. Um, so that's what that looks like to me. Well, Bimene, thank you so much for, for that answer. That was really great. Thank you so much for your time and being on this panel. Um, my other prisoners, you're not so lucky. You're still stuck with me. But Bimene, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Basically, we're, we're capping off our question here with you, and we're talking about how businesses and communities can really build that atmosphere to be a little bit more inclusive and more welcoming of others. Okay. I think that, like everybody was saying, I think that, you know, we can build a lot, but it's, it's right now just, it's like a lot of healing that needs to go on. It's a lot of trauma. It's a, it's a lot of things that are happening that I think that these barriers are kind of keeping us um, not moving forward. And not moving forward, we can really enjoy enjoy what community is as a whole, because there's so many different things that we're underlining that we're dealing with, and and things like that. And uh, you know, I think even with businesses and things like that, I mean, more education, more educational thing, more about businesses out there in the forefront that people know there's black businesses and how black businesses can get started, and entrepreneurships, and 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 programs and resources, things that can help build that. Um, in our communities, because like I said, people have these ideas and things that we want to do, but sometimes that trauma gets in the way of the things that we're trying to do and keeps, a, a, you know, I kind of find myself as a, a lucky one when there are so many who have ideas and great ideas, but they've got their, their time near in prison or somewhere or, or didn't make it out to, to really understand, to fully understand how could we be in, in a community together and, and build that and, and bring that together. But like I said, it just takes a lot of, if you wanna build business, we wanna build that and have strong communities and build strong communities. We have to start helping how we build strong um, unity within our community. And that starts with our children, that starts with our our, our young people, starts um, by taking care of our elders. Um, it, it takes a, a whole village, like they used to say, to maintain that a, a community is going to grow and that is going to grow in a way that is um, you can't trample over it. You know, that garden forever going to be and that garden's going to be taken care of. And we have to understand that, you know, those resources that we can get get it out there. Like it was told to me, sometimes, you know, knowledge, you know, just not power, you know, information is. And we have to get the information to the right people. And once we do could take care of ourselves and go back to our community, because what I do hear a lot of in our community, if people want to get out the community, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to leave. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to get up out of here. But we need to change that mindset to say, how can we go back and build? How can we go back and, and reconstruct things that we know that are not right to build so it's stronger, so our businesses are stronger, so our business can compete in, any, in, in, compete in the community, you know, and, and, and those things like that. And, you know, and build our, you know, build the worth of the community. Because when you start building worth in the community, it brings value to people and, and wealth and those type of things like that, that, that we actually need. But it, like I said, this takes a lot and it's going to take a lot to heal what we what we have. And like I always said, my grandma said, you got to have that, that black community meeting. We have to understand what is happening to us, what is going on. How can we bring solutions to these problems and how can we build upon the things that we do know? Because there is a blueprint. We are here. We are here. 
we got here. We are here. So how can we continue to pave the roads to build, to make sure that we are, are going to leave a legacy behind? Because it's all about us leaving that legacy behind for other people to follow in, in that. And I think that we have to do a better job of that and make sure that we're leading in that way so we can grow businesses. We can grow our community as a whole. And that's going to you know, put everything that they, that we need to be. And that right there, hopefully, we can start dealing with some of the trauma and the underneath things so that way we can start to grow. Because it's hard to grow when you're still having so much, the, the, you know, the dirt ain't right or the soil ain't right because you can't plant nothing there. We have to make sure we can dig that out so we can start putting the good soil thing down there so we can make sure that we're building for our communities so we can grow and be the people we need to be for the people we need to be it for. Yeah, so. Well said, Rodney. Thank you. Very well said. So, with that being said, oh my gosh, time is slipping away. I've said such a wonderful time um, enjoying our conversation, our feedback, our insight. We are down to the last wire here into the last question. Um, and this uh, talks about improving relationships between the various groups uh, within a community it takes time, but what should the ultimate outcome be? Oh, I want to go first. The ultimate outcome. Ella, what should the ultimate outcome be? We know that it's going to take time. It may not happen today, tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year, but what should be the ultimate outcome. Tell them who they are. That's the ultimate outcome. It has to start from one's family. And family hurts are the biggest hurts. Um, it's going to take time to forgive um, not to forget, but to forgive so we can let go of the dis-ease in the body and in the mind. Um, we need to hear our own stories. The civil rights leaders and those shoulders that children are listening to that they stood on. What about your grandmothers? You know, your great, great, you know. Who were those people? What did they do? Laud them for surviving long enough for you to get here. Understand that the first strength, the first circle is the family circle. And that is where the one that comes to fill your mind with negative away from who you really are, that's where it starts. The Bible talks about binding the strong man, okay? So we need to realize that um, there is trauma that nobody wants to talk about. But even the trauma of how we got here, many of us, of light complexion, that rape, that violence, even that has to be, has to be accepted because that's our lineage. That's how we came. God made no mistake, right? Really, he made no mistake. So to go back, wouldn't it be interesting? I just, this just came. So this is from the Holy Spirit. What if we, as African-Americans, actually were made to realize that our assignment 
were the very, quote, European descendants that we came from. That's who we're supposed to unite with, <laughs> that linked descendant. And so that's how there's so much being hidden and don't want to tell that historical truth because that's where the unity is really going to lie. Yeah, historic, historical trauma um, uh, is, uh, yeah, that's a whole, that's a uh, another topic. That's, we're getting in deep, deep, deep. Um, the historical trauma and um, racial truth and reconciliation is, um, yeah. Family, that's what I meant for the point to be, that where we start, the difficult conversations are often in our own family. Ronnie, would you want to weigh in here? You as an individual, Ronnie, what does this ultimate outcome in your community look like? Um, I, I mean, I, I like to see us um, come come more together, come figure things out in a way that we come with some solutions and you know ourselves. Not it's not going to be overnight, but some things that we can talk about, real conversation, real dialogue. Um, things that will move us in the right direction, because at the end of the day, it's you know it's just not just about me as an individual. At at one at the same time, it's it's about my community, you know, and I want my community to do better. Who doesn't want to think of their community to want to do better? Who don't want to cheer on their community, and and cheer on on the on the, on the hope of that, and not just having just not just the dreams of that, because sometimes you can dream. Like I kind of heard. People say, you know, you can dream, but what you want to become, you know, because you can dream all day long. Like we can have these dreams all day long of becoming or doing something, but what do we want to become, you know? All right, D'Angelo. D'Angelo, it's your time, man. If you wouldn't mind to finish us off. And again, we're thinking of that, that ultimate outcome for our community that, again, you know, like we said, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not an overnight fix, but what what does D'Angelo, uh, what would he like to see as the ultimate outcome? Well, that's a loaded question. It's a great question, uh, and, and I think it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, but I'll start out, uh, and I don't want to be too long, but I want to uh, start out by saying social media has ruined an entire generation's expectations of relationships, work, and everything in between. It has made perfect appear normal, therefore good has become disposable, if you think about it that way. <laughs> so I think that we have to, a, a, a perfect outcome, we keep talking about this circle, and that's great, this perfect circle, and that's, and I'm, and I'm for that too, but we have to have a circle of, of friends who are able to talk about investments in the community, talk about business ideas, talk about personal growth, instead of a current community that I'm a part of, and I hear it all the time, where we find commonality in gossip. We find, and I'm just giving till it's real. Uh, it, you, it'll so much easier for, I can go to my barbershop, I can go over to my aunt's house, I can go over to my cousin's, and it is so much easier for us to have a conversation about what old girl did on Facebook in her live, rather than, the investments in the community or the business ideas. So, and it, it, so I think it, that's kind of a, a, a pie in the sky, but also it's an ideal as well. But I also, um, I give my younger, I say my students, but I give my mentees some advice and I tell this to them. 
I tell them, don't attach yourself to a person, a place, a company, an organization, a project. Attach yourself to a mission. Therefore, attach yourself to a purpose only. And then and only then <laughs> is how you operate in power and in peace. So how can we, oftentimes we don't know how to practice our passion with purpose because we don't know what our passion is. We don't know what our purpose is because we're so attached to things that aren't. Uh, so to me, some of, uh, some collection of what I just said is the idea of what of, of perfection and that I think we get down the road. Uh, but yeah, I, that's my answer. I know it was kind of a political answer, but... <laughs> I think that was I think that was great. I I'll just chime in and then we are gonna close this out. Wow! This has been fully loaded. I love, love, love uh these panelists. Um I will say that uh, mindset. I think it starts with the mindset change. Yeah. A mindset change is is I think a first start. Um, you know, where we are making improvements every day. We're showing up as the best persons that we can with what we have, with the tools that we have. And it's okay not to be resilient and fight and be resilient and get down and be resilient and get down. And self-care is important. Um, and sometimes we don't talk about that in our communities um, because it's a sign of weakness. So talking about self-care and being resilient too, because we are a resilient people, but we can practice self-care without a notion of um, being weak. So I'm thinking in terms of a, a start uh, would be a, a mindset uh, shift to um, thriving uh, and uh, not merely uh, surviving. So take it away, Ryan. Oh, I see Ella's hand up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just would like to piggyback on what you just said, the mindset. Um, I just finished reading a book that I understand now is 47 years old. <laughs> it was written the year I graduated from high school. It's by a man named Og Mandino. And the book is called The Greatest Miracle in the World. And that is what God wants us to know. Our creator wants us to know that we are his greatest miracle in the world. And you're right, D'Angelo. You don't need to attach yourself the, to anyone. The misconception is that you know what your purpose is. <laughs> and it needs to be cultivated just like the right kind of soil for a plant. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to say, you are on a bad day, know that you're the greatest miracle in the world. Thanks. Well, gang, I have to tell you all, I. First of all, thank you all so much for your unique perspectives, your insights, your commentary. I, I always feel so fortunate and lucky to be able to sit in this spot. This is truly the best seat in the house. I get to glean so much knowledge. And one of the things that I just heard over and over again is this idea of coming together and, you know, speaking and communicating and bridging that gap. And I like to think that each of us, we do have our individual stories and they're so different and it's so interesting hearing them and hearing what brought us here. But I guess it's more interesting to hear that how your all's individual stories have come together to bring you here to weave our story together tonight. So I really appreciate you all being here. 
Thank you all for your time. Thank you all to our listeners who have tuned in, to any of our viewers who are, who are watching this. Just want to encourage everyone to check out our website, nwprevention.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, regularly posting new content. You can find out about our upcoming episodes that we have coming out, plus all of the great things that are going on in our community and some of the new activities and events that we'll be brainstorming now after the great information we received tonight. Um, so thank you all again. And Tina, I want to thank you for hosting alongside me. Always love working with you and always love hosting with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. You're the best, best, best host. Other than me, I'm joking. <laughs> Panelists, thank you all again so much for your time. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your night. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice.